As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, June 15th, 2023, the 876th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. I know America's voting machines are vulnerable because my colleagues and I have hacked them repeatedly as part of a decade of research studying the technology that operates elections and learning how to make it stronger. 
We've created attacks that can spread from machine to machine like a computer virus and silently change election outcomes. We've studied touchscreen and optical scan systems, and in every single case, we've found ways for attackers to sabotage machines and to steal votes. These capabilities are certainly within reach for America's enemies. In close elections, an attacker can probe the most important swing states or swing counties, find areas with the weakest protection, and strike there. In a close election year, changing a few votes in key uh, localities could be enough to tip national results. Some say the fact that voting machines aren't directly connected to the Internet makes them secure, but unfortunately, this is not true. Voting machines are not as distant from the Internet as they may seem. I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues. That was Professor J. Alex Halderman in 2017. That was June 21st, 2017, in testimony before the United States Congress. Clips of Halderman's testimony have appeared in HBO's documentary, Kill Chain, The Cyber War on America's Elections, and he has compiled multiple reports for various government agencies and in various lawsuits about the election machines that are used in American elections. Now, yesterday, finally, his report from 2021 was released to the public so that people could see it. J. Alex Halderman wrote a blog post to accompany the report, and I went through that blog post and through the non-technical part of the report yesterday, and I want to share those both on the podcast because I think that this is one of the most important issues in this country. As you know, every day I make a point to make it clear that Joe Biden is illegitimate, not just in my eyes, but in reality, there is no way in the world to prove or substantiate that Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes. And there's not even a logic behind how that could have possibly happened. It didn't happen. There is absolutely no way Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes. And not too many people believe that they can prove he did. They just believe that no one else can prove he didn't. And they think that that claim alone means that no one should doubt the outcomes as reported of our elections. That's it. They claim that no one can prove that our elections are stolen, that election fraud happens, and that election fraud happens in a widespread and severe enough way for our elections to be stolen. They just think that none of that can be claimed or even thought without somehow degrading and destroying our democracy by casting doubt on the legitimacy of our elections. Our elections, no matter how illegitimate, must be supported by all the people. No matter what, all of the people must tell one another that our elections are very safe and very secure, regardless of whether or not they are. We are supposed to actively lie to one another about this scenario. We are supposed to live in a fantasy world about our elections. Otherwise, we are told the whole society is going to fall apart. It's domestic terrorism to doubt our elections. We're telling the big lie when we express doubts about our elections. The truth is these people just don't care. If they cared, they would have checked 
And if they checked, they would have found clips like the one I just played of J. Alex Halderman, and they would have known about the problems in our election machines, and they would care about what J. Alex Halderman says in his report. Because it's not about proving to the most deranged and child-brained Biden voter that our election was stolen. It's about understanding the system as completely as you can and then honestly answering the question, hey, American, with this election system in place, do you believe that there is any reason for you or any of your fellow citizens to ever trust the reported results of an election in this country? The honest answer to that question is no. There is absolutely no reason to trust our elections. They are controlled and manipulated by the regime at every step of the election process. And the election process was created for that very reason. They have public-private partnerships with the voter registries. That means that outside private companies, third parties, can access state voter registries and add names and adjust those voter registries. They have access to the state databases, but you can't go question them because they're private organizations. And if you question them, then you're threatening the value of their company because they're going to have to expose proprietary information. The regime controls the creation of the ballots, the printing of the ballots, the layout of the ballots. The regime controls who is going to get those ballots. In some states, they send ballots by mail to everyone registered to vote, no matter how many thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of additional registered voters they have on their rolls who do not represent people who are alive, who live in that state. They might not even represent real people. There is no reason to believe that voter registries somehow have a check and balance system that prevents fake names and fake identities from becoming part of the voter registry. There are millions upon millions of illegal aliens registered to vote in this country. And the Democrat Party, as the representatives of the regime, the uniparty left, push for the legalization of illegal aliens voting in this country. They control where the votes go. They know where the votes go so they can go find the votes. That's what they do with ballot harvesting. It's not just about going around and greeting voters at their front door and saying, hey, ma'am, I can see that you're a grandmother and you've got your hands full and it's probably not that easy for you to move around and get to the polling place on the first Tuesday of November. How about I just take your ballot and do you a favor? That's not what's happening. They can send 4,000 ballots to an empty lot, know they're going to be there because they sent them there and go pick them up and then cast them in those voters' names. And there's no way to check. That's what we found out. Signature verification, please. We've seen how that system works in Arizona. That system doesn't work at all. So they control the voter registries. They control who the ballots go out to. They are able to go pick the ballots up themselves and cast those ballots. They control where and how the votes are counted and how they're reviewed afterward. And then they have an entire system of lawfare set up to make sure that the legal system will not allow relief to the citizens of this country. 
And once you've gotten that system fully in place across the country, well, you can decide the political outcomes on every single issue in this country. You can create as much division and tension and chaos as you want. And then when it gets to that point and you're fulfilling your social needs about how the population must believe and behave, well, that's all a show and you can just elect who you want and push the agenda forward. And that's what they've done. The Uniparty over the years has brought us to this point. It's not Democrats who did this. It's not Democrats who steal elections. It's not Republicans who did this. And it's not Republicans who steal elections. It's the Uniparty representing the regime, the Uniparty left and right, working together to implement this agenda over decades. And the best way to ensure that that agenda gets implemented and that nothing can stop it is to steal our elections. So they create a complicated convoluted process that no one can understand, that no one can examine or contest. There is no transparency and they tell us to suck it up and take it. And if we refuse, then we are domestic terrorists telling the big lie. People do not care about their vote in this country. If they did, they would actually care that it was counted properly. They would actually care when thousands of citizens are filling out affidavits and we see vertical spikes in the middle of the night after vote counting had stopped. A UCLA mathematician tells us based on the cast vote records and how the vote came in that there is a one in 24 quadrillion chance that the vote could have happened as it was reported to have happened. And we think, ah, what are we going to do? Say that our government is illegitimate and get involved? Nah, let's just keep arguing about what's on the television. Oh, look, there's a creepy little dude on a Bud Light can. Let's spend eight weeks on him. Now, the citizens of this country, by and large, don't have the time or the attention span to deal with this stuff. Because a lot of them are doing everything they can and struggling to earn a living and not go insane. Part of that is the culture that has been built up around them through the results of illegitimate elections, decades of illegitimate elections. But people also get apathetic about politics. They think that things have to be this way, that both sides are bad. They don't expect to be able to trust politicians. They don't expect to get good outcomes. They just always believe that the elections are safe and secure and people are voting for bad things. They blame the other side. People are stupid. People are ignorant. People are uninformed. They're bought off. They're corrupted. They're lazy. They want treats from the government. And all of those things are true. But there aren't enough people like that to actually keep winning elections over and over and over every year for decades. There just aren't that many people like that. We're told, for instance, that we are going to have a majority minority nation. And this was something that the Democrats always dreamed about because Democrats believe that they own the vote of minorities. And so they continue to ship minorities in from around the world. They used to tell us that there would be a permanent Democrat majority just within the last 10 or 15 years. They used to say this. They used to say this during Obama's term. They would have a permanent Democrat majority because of the influx of Hispanics and the growth of the Hispanic population, because Hispanics 
their vote was owned by Democrats. So, of course, we would have a Democrat majority forever. And they would always call Republicans racist about immigration. Supposedly, that was going to hurt the feelings of Latino voters, Hispanic voters in this country. And they would always vote Democrat. Democrats would have a permanent Democrat majority. And, of course, Democrats also own the vote of black Americans, 95% Democrat. That is what we are told. And we are told that that must be true because Democrats dominate in big cities, urban communities where the blacks tend to hover, right? Because blacks are poor and they like to live in the city. That is what Democrats tell us. And Republicans agree with them. Yes, of course, 95% of black Americans vote for Democrats. They just want welfare. Yeah, that's it. And we're told they have to vote for Democrats because Democrats are the only people looking out for black Americans. If it weren't for Democrats, well, we might need voter ID to vote in this country. And that would be uh, racist because black people apparently can't figure out how to get an ID, except that's actually racist. That's racist to say that. And it turns out that the Democrats are the party of slavery, the Klan, Jim Crow, and decade after decade of urban decay. That is all washed away because Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. And in doing so, he said, we'll have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. So it turns out that 95% of black Americans really love that history of the Democrat Party, and they want all those treats and blah, 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 all the racist things and justifications that we are given by the television so that we believe that black Americans are just permanently owned by Democrats. Oh, modern times. They're not colored people now. They're people of color now. See, the Democrats own their votes, but it's mutually agreed to. Both parties just love one another so much. That's why they align. And you know it must be true because they would never, ever, ever steal the votes of black Americans or Hispanic Americans. And they would never use racial division in this country that they create to justify the outcomes that they must produce to win elections and claim that Hispanics voted overwhelmingly for Democrats and black Americans voted overwhelmingly for Democrats. Oh, that's how they won. That's how they won. Oh, got it. Yeah, there always has to be a reason. And what's the reason now? Oh, it's because Republicans hate the trans agenda and the LGBTQIA plus 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 and obviously also pedophiles agenda. That's it. They'll use that for division, maybe cause a little crime, a little chaos, a little rioting. And then people will believe that because Republicans are so hateful, once again, everyone will have voted for the Democrats. And naturally, the regime plays a version of that game within each party, in the primaries of each party. Bernie Sanders got robbed of his primaries in two straight election cycles. But what did that old commie do? Ah, oh, he took the money and ran. He said, well, just give me a Senate chairmanship and a couple houses. I know we're all going in the same direction anyway. My communism might be a little faster than yours, a little truer than yours, a little realer than yours. Maybe I believe Marx a little more than you do. But I've been around you enough, Joe Biden, and I know that you're every bit the committed regime communist that I am. Ah, thanks, Bernie. Way to stick to your principles. 
We know the elections are stolen. We know they're stolen on both sides. If you think that the uniparty right is not figuring out a way to gin up a narrative to steal an election from Donald Trump in the primary, you're nuts. If you don't think the uniparty left is doing everything it can to make sure that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. will go away quietly, you're nuts. That's exactly what they're doing. And they're able to do it because they've created a system to do it. And anybody who looks at that system would know that that system was designed to dictate the outcome of elections and steal the vote of the American people. We've gone through method after method over the last couple of years about how that happens. And yet a lot of people believe that it couldn't possibly be the machines. That is all a conspiracy theory and you can't prove it to the degree of proof necessary to convince the most child-brained and delusional villagers out there that this actually matters. So, well, you just call it baseless claims and say there's no evidence. But the truth is you can't prove anything to those people because they won't admit they're wrong. Admitting they're wrong would tear down the rest of their belief structure about how our society operates. If they admit they're wrong, then Donald Trump might actually be more popular than Joe Biden, and the polls might be wrong too. If they admit that they're wrong about the scale of election fraud, that it actually could encompass 5 million votes or 10 million votes or 20 million votes or even something much, much higher. Well, then there's no grounds on which to believe that we are a 50-50 country and the people trying to trans kids are as plentiful as the ones who want to get rid of all that stuff. Those numbers aren't close. The numbers of people who want us to go around the world waging war on behalf of the global regime are nowhere close to the number of people in this country who just want to see our country and our world at peace. If supporters of the regime had an actual majority in this country, they would not need to steal elections. They would not need the censorship and the propaganda. They would not need to silence their political opposition and weaponize the government to go after them and hopefully imprison them to just simply take them off the board completely. There is no regime supporter majority in this country. There is only marketing and all of it relies on the mass derangement that our elections produce reliable and accurate results that reflect the will of the people when there is absolutely no reason or justification to believe that that is true when you actually examine it. But no one ever checks because the incentive is not to check. Well, Donald Trump said the other day that the seal has been broken and we all wondered what he meant. It sounds like he's saying some event has occurred that has now changed things. Things are now this new way and they cannot go back to how they were before. This is the final step in a process and a new process has now begun. Now, what does that process look like? My guess right now is that this process we are now in, now that the seal has been broken, is a process of disclosure where the public finally begins to learn all of the things that have been held back 
from the mainstream, from the villagers for the last two and a half years. Everything we are finding out right now about the system at large is stuff we've known and stuff we've been talking about for years now. And that's just me from my perspective. There are people who have been in this much longer than I have that knew things back then and probably know things right now, by the way, that I have no idea about. And the craziest part of that is that virtually everyone knows in this country that our elections can be stolen. Virtually everyone in this country has claimed at some point that people from the other party were stealing elections. People know about Diebold machines and Bush versus Gore. They know about election fraud in the 1960s to benefit Kennedy in Chicago. There's no reason to ever believe that any election in this country was ever totally free and fair, safe and secure. Citizens know there are problems in our elections, and they also know that parts of our government have for decades, overthrown other countries' governments and installed leaders who would be friendly to the United States, sometimes through stolen elections. They just believe or pretend that it can't happen here. So that's what the citizens think, the villagers out there. But the people in positions of power, the people in charge, the people in politics, in the media, many of them know our elections are stolen. Many of them help prop up narratives about the elections to obfuscate the fact that our elections are stolen. They know about all of this. They just don't talk about it in public because the public is not allowed to know if the public figures out that the elections are stolen. Well, then that might make it harder for the regime to keep control over the public. Think about how deeply they have infiltrated our government and our society over the last 80 years since they all came over from Europe and elsewhere, but really much, much longer. If the people knew what happened in the elections, well, that could all go away. Decade after decade after decade, they have worked and worked and worked to install that system, to infiltrate our institutions and not only to take power, but to hold on to that power forever. They have set everything up for themselves to be able to do that. And either they're successful and their success means that they get their great reset agenda, their 2030 agenda, their climate agenda, all their agendas. The technocracy blooms before us, the transhumanist dystopia that we are meant to be entering. On their behalf, it just opens up before us. And that, to be clear, is the end of human liberty or that thing falls apart right before our eyes. And how does it fall apart most quickly? I would argue that happens when people know about our elections. So let's get to J. Alex Halderman. This is some of his background as described in the report. My name is J. Alex Halderman. I am a professor of computer science and engineering, director of the Center for Computer Security and Society, and director of the Software Systems Laboratory at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Very good school. 
I hold a PhD, 2009, a master's degree, 2005, and a bachelor's degree, 2003, summa cum laude in computer science, all from Princeton University. My research focuses on computer security and privacy with an emphasis on problems that broadly impact society and public policy. Among my areas of research are software security, network security, computer forensics, and election cybersecurity. I've authored more than 90 articles and books, and my work has been cited in more than 12,000 scholarly publications. I have served as peer reviewer for more than 35 research conferences and workshops. I have published numerous peer-reviewed research papers analyzing security problems in electronic voting systems used in U.S. states and in other countries. I have also investigated methods for improving election security, such as efficient techniques for auditing whether computerized election results match paper ballots. I regularly teach courses in computer security, network security, and election cybersecurity at the graduate and undergraduate levels. I am the creator of Securing Digital Democracy, a massive open online course about computer security and elections that has attracted more than 20,000 students. And he goes on and on, listing various appointments, affiliations, and awards. J. Alex Halderman is one of the, if not the, premier expert when it comes to voting machine technology. And remember, obviously, from the beginning that he has testified before Congress on this exact subject. So I'm going to do the intro from his blog because he kind of explains what's happening and then we'll get into the report. The blog he wrote about the release of this report can be found at freedom to hyphen tinker.com. Okay. So that's freedom to tinker.com, but with hyphens between the words, the title is security analysis of the dominion image cast X. And you can find links to this on my Twitter at I'm your moderator or in the telegram info stream at T dot me slash very reasonable. This is Halderman writing today. The Federal District Court for the Northern District of Georgia permitted the public release of security analysis of Georgia's ImageCast X ballot marking devices, a 96-page report that describes numerous security problems affecting Dominion voting equipment used in Georgia and other states. I prepared the report two years ago with Professor Drew Springall of Auburn University as part of a long-running voting rights lawsuit, Curling versus Raffensperger. Back in September 2020, the court granted the Curling plaintiffs access to one of Georgia's touchscreen ballot marking devices. A ballot marking device is abbreviated as BMD, ballot marking device, so they could assess its security. Drew and I extensively tested the machine and we discovered vulnerabilities in nearly every part of the system that is exposed to potential attackers. The most critical problem we found is an arbitrary code execution vulnerability that can be exploited to spread malware from a county central election management system, that's EMS election management system, to every BMD in the jurisdiction, that's ballot marking device. So again, 
The most critical problem we found is an arbitrary code execution vulnerability that can be exploited to spread malware from a county's central election management system to every ballot marking device in the jurisdiction. So that is every machine in the central node. Things can be affected that will change every machine. This makes it possible to attack the BMDs at scale over a wide area without needing physical access to any of them. Isn't that amazing? Our report explains how attackers could exploit the flaws we found to change votes or potentially even affect election outcomes in Georgia, including how they could defeat the technical and procedural protections the state has in place. While we are not aware of any evidence that the vulnerabilities have been exploited to change votes in past elections, without more precautions and mitigations, there is a serious risk they will be exploited in the future. And to be clear, and Halderman is clear at various points in the blog and in the report, they did not have access to be able to do that. And they were not tasked with doing that, with finding actual evidence of exploitation. The report was filed under seal on July 1st, 2021 and remains confidential until today. But last year, the court allowed us to share it with CISA the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the arm of DHS responsible for election infrastructure through the agency's Coordinated Vulnerability Disclosure Program. CISA released a security advisory in June 2022 confirming the vulnerabilities, and Dominion subsequently created updated software in response to the problems. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has been aware of our findings for nearly two years. But astonishingly, he recently announced that the state will not install Dominion security update until after the 2024 presidential election, giving would-be adversaries another 18 months to develop and execute attacks that exploit the known vulnerable machines. Beyond these implications for election practice, our work is scientifically significant. It is the first study in more than 10 years to comprehensively and independently assess the security of a widely deployed U.S. voting machine, as well as the first ever comprehensive security review of a widely deployed ballot marking device. So more than 10 years, there has not been a comprehensive and independent assessment of the security of widely deployed U.S. voting machines, and there has never been a comprehensive security assessment of the widely deployed ballot marking devices. Security researchers studied numerous U.S. voting machines 10 to 20 years ago, and their findings clearly established that voting equipment tends to suffer from security flaws. Yet one might wonder whether election equipment sold today is more secure than equipment produced in decades past. Our findings suggest that the answer is no. This highlights the need for further enhancements to the software engineering, testing, and certification processes for U.S. voting equipment, and it underscores the importance of conducting rigorous post-election audits of every major electoral contest as recommended by the National Academies. Drew and I are grateful to the curling plaintiffs and their legal team for the opportunity to perform this work. 
We also thank the numerous experts who helped explain to the court why making the report public now is responsible disclosure that serves the public's interest. Adversaries seeking to attack election systems can readily discover the same or similar problems in the Dominion ImageCast X, but unsealing the report will help equip election officials and other policymakers with the information they need to mount an effective response. So for a long time, we were told that this report could not be unsealed. It would expose proprietary Dominion information. It would affect lawsuits. It would decrease voters confidence in their election processes. And that's a good thing, right? That the voters are more confident rather than giving them real information about their elections that would make them less confident. That's not what responsible public servants would do. Halderman also shares some words on the curling versus Raffensperger lawsuit. Since 2017, concerned voters and advocates have been challenging parts of Georgia's election technology in federal court. Their lawsuit, Curling v. Raffensperger, started when Georgia still used Diebold paperless touchscreen voting machines. A decade later, I helped California's Secretary of State conduct a landmark security review that discovered ways to infect the same Diebold machines with vote-stealing malware, among other problems. California responded by decertifying the Diebold machine, but Georgia used it statewide through the end of 2019 without even patching the security flaws. After extensive expert testimony about the vulnerability of the Diebold equipment, Judge Amy Totenberg ordered Georgia to replace the machines by the beginning of 2020. So you see, when they find out that the machines are wide open, to manipulation and exploitation. They are totally vulnerable and they cannot be relied upon to produce accurate results. Rather than getting rid of the machines, they just update the software and tell you everything's okay. Or they decertify the machines from one company and buy all the machines from another company. They tell the public the problem is solved and they just march on forward with machines designed and built and run to steal elections. Ignoring advice from election security experts, including the lone cybersecurity expert on the governor's commission to recommend a new voting system, Georgia replaced the Diebold machines with a new voting system that is centered around the Dominion ImageCast X ballot marking device. Voters use the BMD to make selections on a touchscreen and print a marked ballot, which is then scanned and counted by a separate machine. In most of the U.S., voters mark ballots by hand and BMDs like the ICX are reserved as an assistive technology for voters who need them. Georgia, by contrast, is one of only two states where everyone who votes in person is required to use a BMD statewide. This arrangement called universal use BMDs creates security risks by placing a potentially hackable computer between voters and their ballots. Because of these security concerns, the curling suit continued and the plaintiffs are now challenging Georgia's universal BMD system. In September 2020, 
The court authorized the plaintiffs to test the security of the BMD system subject to strict protocols, including a protective order to ensure confidentiality and continuous video monitoring. The curling plaintiffs commissioned Drew and me to perform their security review. We were provided a Dominion ImageCast X BMD and a Dominion ImageCast Precinct ballot scanner, both configured as they would be used in a real election in Georgia. We were also provided access tokens and passwords that allowed us to operate the equipment as poll workers would and conduct mock elections. Contrary to the Georgia Secretary of State's spin, providing such passwords is a routine part of security testing. The passwords are not necessary to compromise the equipment because, as our report explains, there are several ways that attackers can bypass them. So let's get into the report itself, and I'm going to start with the overview on page four. I'm going to go through about four pages of this. And if you want to find the report, it is in the same locations I described before. Go to t.me slash very reasonable or simply search very reasonable as one word on Telegram and use the search feature in my channel. Type in Halderman, H-A-L-D-E-R-M-A-N, and you will find it. In 2020, Georgia replaced its insecure, decades-old DRE voting machines with new ballot scanners and ballot marking devices manufactured by Dominion Voting Systems. Although the same ballot marking devices are used for accessibility in parts of approximately 15 other states, Georgia is unique in using them statewide as the primary method of in-person voting. This unusual arrangement places potentially malicious computers between Georgia voters and their paper ballots. In contrast, in most of the United States, voters mark paper ballots directly by hand and BMDs are reserved for those who need or request them. Georgians who vote at a polling place generally have no choice but to use the BMDs. And I will just say for myself that in 2020, I used a ballot marking device, a touch screen to make my selections in California. And then in the midterms last year, I did the same in Texas. Did I trust that my vote was properly counted either time? No, not at all. And that is sad. It's especially sad while we consistently tell one another how important it is to vote in this system and that we are going to overwhelm the system when that is clearly not the case. All voting systems face cybersecurity risks. As the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine recently concluded, quote, there is no realistic mechanism to fully secure vote casting and tabulation computer systems from cyber threats. Again, there is no realistic mechanism to fully secure vote casting and tabulation computer systems from cyber threats. However, not all voting systems are equally vulnerable. Curling plaintiffs contend that Georgia's universal use BMD voting system is so insecure that it violates voters' constitutional rights. Now, Think back in Georgia. We had the consent decree between Stacey Abrams and Brad Raffensperger, and they changed the style, the process of their elections in Georgia based on that. We had Ruby Freeman. We had the pipe burst at the Fulton County Arena. We had the vote 
shutting down in the middle of the night. We also had extraordinary turnout. We also had an extraordinary error rate in all of the machines. Georgia's elections have been a mess. And now all of a sudden, Georgia, having been a red state for decades, is now a consistently blue state. Gosh, how does it happen? Oh, wait, I know they always tell us it's because Georgia has so many black people in it and you know them, they all vote Democrat. You think I'm being crass or abrasive by saying that? That is what they tell us. That is the explanation for how Georgia is a blue state now and everybody just believes it. To assist the court in understanding the risks that the system creates, Curling plaintiffs asked me to conduct a security analysis of the ImageCast X BMD and associated equipment used in Georgia elections. Using an ICX provided by Fulton County, I played the role of an attacker and attempted to discover ways to compromise the system and change votes. I, along with my assistant, spent a total of approximately 12 person weeks studying the machines, testing for vulnerabilities and developing proof-of-concept attacks. Many of the attacks I successfully implemented could be effectuated by malicious actors with very limited time and access to the machines, as little as mere minutes. This report documents my findings and conclusions. Principal Findings I show that the ICX suffers from critical vulnerabilities that can be exploited to subvert all of its security mechanisms, including user authentication, data integrity protection, access control, privilege separation, audit logs, protective counters, hash validation, and external firmware validation. Wow, that sounds like every part of the system is compromised. Yet we're told these machines are certified and that our election outcomes are accurate, that we have safe and secure elections. How is that possible? Here's the answer. It absolutely isn't possible. And so to pretend that our elections are secure, we just have to make a leap of faith and assume that no one exploited the fact that the elections can be manipulated so easily. Even with so much on the line, how much is the presidency of the United States worth to the regime? How much? Trillions upon trillions of dollars? What happens to the regime if Donald Trump gets back in office and we're just supposed to trust that none of these people would cheat? The idea that cheating is not possible is totally untenable and always has been to the point of ridiculousness. That anyone could believe that our system cannot be manipulated and exploited, that elections cannot be stolen. That is absolutely, utterly ignorant to the point of just surrendering your country to whoever wants to take it. That's how absurd it is to believe that our elections cannot be stolen. So again, then we move to a leap of faith that suggests our elections simply are not stolen because no one would do such a thing. We talk about evidence. We talk about baseless claims. What is the basis for believing that our faith should be put in all of these people 
involved in the elections and involved in our election systems to produce an accurate outcome. That is absolutely only a leap of faith, and it is a terrible one. Back to the report. I demonstrate that these vulnerabilities provide multiple routes by which attackers can install malicious software on Georgia's BMDs, either with temporary physical access or remotely from election management systems. I explain how such malware can alter votes while subverting all of the procedural protections practiced by the state. Again, I explain how such malware can alter votes while subverting all of the procedural protections practiced by the state, including acceptance testing, hash validation, logic and accuracy testing. That's one of the things the TV tells us ensures that the machines are working and that the elections cannot be stolen. External firmware validation and risk limiting audits. Risk limiting audits are the audits they do after the fact on very, very tiny numbers of ballots on one machine in the precinct so that they can tell us, yep, all the ballots are fine and all the machines worked. And when the people on TV and the people in Con Inc. media tell everybody that they did audits to our elections, that's what they mean. They took 50 ballots or 100 ballots, ran them through one of the machines in the precinct and told us that despite their knowledge of all of these other facts, everything was still okay. The most serious vulnerabilities I discovered include the following. Attackers can alter the QR codes on printed ballots to modify voters' selections. Critically, voters have no practical way to confirm that the QR codes match their intent, but they are the only part of the ballot that the scanners count. I demonstrate how the QR codes can be modified by compromising the BMD printer or by installing malware on the BMD. So what is he saying? Your ballot gets printed out after you make your selections on the touchscreen. The ballot comes out. It shows the names of your selections printed out in normal words, and then it has a QR code. Now, you might look at those names and think, oh, this machine has accurately recorded my intent. Wonderful. But most people don't do that, as it says in this report. And even if everyone did do it, they still couldn't spot the problem because the problem is in the QR code. Your vote is not those printed names on the ballot. Your vote exists in an encoded, encrypted fashion within that QR code. Another machine will read that QR code and you will never know what results that QR code produces and what results get counted because that QR code can itself be manipulated in the machine so that the names on your ballot will display correctly, and the QR code has an entirely different set of selections inside it. Again, this is the sort of thing that has been known for years now, and people pretend it's not true. Number two, the software update that Georgia installed in October 2020 left Georgia's BMDs in a state where anyone 
can install malware with only brief physical access to the machines. I show that this problem can potentially be exploited in the polling place, even by non-technical voters. Number three, attackers can forge or manipulate the smart cards that the ICX uses to authenticate technicians, poll workers, and voters. Without needing any secret information, I created a counterfeit technician card that can unlock any ICX in Georgia, allowing anyone with physical access to install malware. Do you remember the videos in 2020 of the voting machine warehouses? There was one in Philadelphia that I recall where the door was wide open and people could just walk in there off the street. In fact, that is what someone did. And they videoed the entire thing and then they put it up online so everyone else could see it. If that guy had the technical proficiency and the desire, he could have done what J. Alex Halderman did. He could have created a fake technician card and he could have gone in and accessed all of those machines with it. Now, Halderman's work is specific to the Georgia machines, but the point is that's how easy it is. Just an open door is all you need to manipulate the results produced by every connected machine. Number four, I demonstrate that attackers can execute arbitrary code with root supervisory privileges by altering the election definition file that county workers copy to every BMD before each election. Attackers could exploit this to spread malware to all BMDs across a county or the entire state. The safest and most secure election of all time is what we were told. Number five, the ICX contains numerous unnecessary Android applications, including a terminal emulator that provides a quote unquote root shell, a supervisory command interface that overrides access controls. An attacker can alter the BMD's audit logs simply by opening them in the on-screen text editor application. Number six, in a given election, all BMDs and scanners in a county share the same set of cryptographic keys, which are used for authentication and to protect election results on scanner memory cards. An attacker with brief access to a single ICX or a single poll worker card and pin can obtain the countywide keys. Number seven, the ImageCast precinct scanner stores ballot scans in the order they were cast. A dishonest election worker like that emphasized by the defendants and their expert Michael Shamos with just brief access to the scanner's memory card could violate ballot secrecy and determine how individual voters voted. Now, can you imagine having that vulnerability out there? Isn't that amazing? And do you think that they exploit it? Do you think that they want to know how individual voters vote? I mean, they have the rest of our data, absolutely all of our data, everything we type into our phones and computers, everything we say in their vicinity Everyone we communicate with, the pictures we take of ourselves, where our phone is, what we spend money on, all of our data. They have absolutely all of it 
and they get to know who we voted for. You got to wonder if they could use all that stuff together. And if they might use all that stuff together, once we get into the land of social credit scores, which isn't far off, they're doing it in China. You've seen it in news reports. It's been portrayed in fictional works like on Black Mirror. And we've seen many of the steps toward that process, like their rollout for vaccine ID cards and vaccine IDs on one's phone. Imagine once they know all of that stuff and they have your voting record in there too. Halderman writes, In addition to discovering and validating the vulnerabilities described above, I developed a series of proof of concept attacks that illustrate how vulnerabilities in the ICX could be used to change the personal votes of individual Georgia voters. I am prepared to demonstrate. 1. An attack that uses malicious hardware hidden inside the BMD's printer to alter the votes on printed ballots. 2. Malware that runs on the BMD and alters votes while avoiding hash validation, firmware validation, and logic and accuracy testing. 3. An automated method of installing malware by briefly unplugging the printer cable and attaching a malicious USB device. 4. Vote-stealing malware that can be installed remotely from the EMS by altering the BMD's election definition file. Some of the critical vulnerabilities I discovered can be at least partially mitigated through changes to the ICX's software, and I encourage Dominion and the state of Georgia to move as quickly as possible to remedy them. However, merely patching these specific problems is unlikely to make the ICX substantially more secure. I did not have the resources to find all possible exploitable security bugs in the ICX software. Once I found one that satisfied a particular adversarial objective, I usually turned to investigating other aspects of the system. It is very likely that there are other equally critical flaws in the ICX that are yet to be discovered. Fully defending it will require discovering and mitigating them all, but attackers would only have to find one. Main Conclusions On the basis of the technical findings described in this report, I reach the following conclusions. The ICX BMDs are not sufficiently secured against technical compromise to withstand vote-altering attacks by bad actors who are likely to attack future elections in Georgia. Adversaries with the necessary sophistication and resources to carry out attacks like those I have shown to be possible include hostile foreign governments such as Russia, which has targeted Georgia's election system in the past and domestic political actors whose close associates have recently acquired access to the same Dominion equipment that Georgia uses through audits and litigation in other jurisdictions. Now, in the report and the blog entry, he goes into a little bit of this. He is basically casting doubt on the people doing the audit work and trying to review these machines in Georgia, in Michigan, in Arizona, with the cyber ninjas, etc. And that can be read in some way as casting aspersions on them, but I don't think it has to. I mean, he's being a 
you know, technical expert and trying to be as responsible as possible. These are other parties outside of the recommended people who are supposed to have access to these machines. So, of course, there is the possibility that those people having had access to the machines could exploit those machines. I don't think anyone paying attention to what those groups have done and accomplished over the years believe that they are trying to exploit and attack these machines and change election outcomes. He's just saying that it's possible. And certainly those people aren't the only ones with this kind of access. His second conclusion, the ICX BMDs can be compromised to the same extent and as or more easily than the AccuVote TS and TSX DREs they replaced. Both systems have similar weaknesses, including readily bypassed user authentication and software validation, and susceptibility to malware that spreads from a central point to machines throughout a jurisdiction. Yet with the BMD, these vulnerabilities tend to be even easier to exploit than on the DRE system, since the ICX uses more modern and modular technology that is simpler to investigate and modify. So Georgia replaced their systems and actually made their elections less secure by going to this model of Dominion machine. And again, he points out that all you need to do is manipulate from some central node and you can compromise all of the machines, which they tell us are not connected to the Internet, but are only connected to this internal network where everything is okay. Conclusion number three, as listed in the report, despite the addition of a paper trail, ICX malware can still change individual votes and most election outcomes without detection. Again, let's just read it again so that we can make sure this is the expert of experts on this subject matter. This is not me saying it. This is not Steve Bannon or the Gateway Pundit or Tucker Carlson or any of those evil people on Fox News that the communists always worry about. This is the nonpartisan expert who has testified before Congress, having been called in by Democrats. This is the expert featured in HBO's Kill Chain documentary that they put out to convince Democrats that our elections are not safe and secure in case Trump won again, and they needed to say that Trump stole it. All of this was there, ready to go ready to undermine a duly elected president of the United States for the second time. Despite the addition of a paper trail, ICX malware can still change individual votes and most election outcomes, most election outcomes without detection. Despite the addition of a paper trail, we are told that because these machine-based systems print out a paper ballot that's what it means to vote on a paper ballot. That is not voting on a paper ballot. That is voting on a computer and the computer prints you a receipt that is not required in any way whatsoever to reflect your actual intent as the voter. And that is your paper ballot, according to election experts. He goes on. Election results are determined from ballot QR codes, which malware can modify, yet voters cannot check that the QR codes match their intent, nor does the state compare them to the human readable ballot text. 
although outcome-changing fraud conducted in this manner could be detected by a risk-limiting audit, Georgia requires a risk-limiting audit of only one contest every two years. So the vast majority of elections and contests have no such assurance. And even the most robust risk-limiting audit can only assess an election outcome. It cannot evaluate whether individual votes counted as intended. So you got a paper ballot, you make your selections on the screen, you get a printout, you see the names there. If you bother to check, you see the names and you say, oh yeah, those were my votes. Okay, cool. But that's not your vote. The QR code is your vote. And while there is technically a system in place that could catch the sort of manipulation that could change your vote, they don't do that test except in one contest, not one election, one contest to make sure that things worked out okay. But the truth is the test can't even prove that. The ICX's vulnerabilities also make it possible for an attacker to compromise the auditability of the ballots by altering both the QR codes and the human readable text. Such cheating could not be detected by an RLA, a risk limiting audit, or a hand count, since all records of the voters' intent would be wrong. So there is actually no check whatsoever on your elections. Isn't that great news? The only practical way to discover such an attack would be if enough voters reviewed their ballots, noticed the errors, alerted election officials, and election officials identified the problem as a systemic hack or malfunction. But human factors studies show that most voters do not review their ballots carefully enough, and election officials likely would consider such reports the product of voter error. This means that in a close contest, ICX malware could manipulate enough ballots to change the election outcome with low probability of detection. In contrast, risk-limiting audits of hand-marked paper ballots when used with appropriate procedural precautions provide high confidence that individual votes are counted as intended and election outcomes are correct even if the election technology is fully compromised. So again, they could make it work, but they don't make it work. And when the system is this complicated and convoluted, when it's this vulnerable to exploitation and manipulation, when it is this unlikely to produce a reliable and accurate result, and they don't even try to check and won't let you check, Are you really, really going to be comfortable with your act of faith that everyone involved in the election is just telling the truth, even though, even though they could change the results with absolutely no problem and you would never know it. We're the ones making baseless claims. We're the ones with no evidence. Here's a baseless claim. Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes. That claim is utterly baseless. It was literally just something the television said. 
Hey, everybody, look at these numbers that we invented from all across the country. We took all of these numbers from all across the country. We added them up and then we asked the TV to tell you what those numbers were. And they told you. And now you believe it. Election over. That was our election. That's it. We just made up some numbers all around the country, put them together, told them to you. And now you have Joe Biden as president. Now you have Katie Hobbs as governor of Arizona. Now you have John Fetterman, a walking negative vaccine side effect as senator of Pennsylvania. But I know, I know elections are very safe and very secure. That's how Ron DeSantis won so big in Florida. That's how Brian Kemp won so big in Georgia. That's how Greg Abbott won so big in Texas. It's because our elections are very safe and very secure, even though I did vote on a ballot marking device here in Texas. Huh? But hey, Texas is a red state, so our elections are perfect. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just throwing doubt on Texas elections, even though everybody knows they're perfect. Yes, all their cities are turning crazy, crazy blue. And there are homeless people and drugs just everywhere. Are they trying to trans the school kids? Sure they are. But Texas is a red state, so our elections are very safe and very secure. And yeah, they tell us every election cycle that Texas is going to turn blue, but it just, it doesn't. So our elections are very safe and secure. Thank goodness. Using vulnerable ICX BMDs for all in-person voters, as Georgia does, greatly magnifies the security risks compared to jurisdictions that use hand-marked paper ballots, but provide BMDs to voters upon request. When use of such BMDs is limited to a small fraction of voters, as in most other states, they are a less valuable target and less likely to be attacked at all. Even if they are successfully compromised, attackers can change at most a small fraction of votes, which again creates a strong disincentive to undertake the effort and risk to change any such votes. So he's basically saying that just that small change affects the risk reward calculation to such a degree that it is unlikely it would be even worth it to attempt to manipulate an election in that situation. Now, does that mean that switching to that system would make it safe or even safer? No, it doesn't mean that because the problem ultimately is the machine and the problem ultimately is the system. You can change little pieces of the system, but the point is the system is designed to allow for fraud to allow for manipulation, to allow for the selection of winners. So you can change the system a little bit, but until you remove the system in a way that makes it impossible for them to cheat or extraordinarily difficult for them to cheat, then the election is still vulnerable. Elections are either safe and secure or they're not. They're not a little more safe than they were before. They're just still not safe. There is the simplest possible system to produce the most accurate possible results, but they don't use that. And right there, that alone should tell you what they intend to do and why the system exists as it does. The critical vulnerabilities in the ICX and the wide variety of lesser but still serious security issues indicate that it was developed 
without sufficient attention to security during design, software engineering, and testing. Got that? It was developed without sufficient attention to security during design, software engineering, and testing. So at no point did they care about whether or not this system was secure. But we're told we have the safest and most secure election of all time. This is supposed to be our sacred vote, isn't it? Our sacred democracy. We're not supposed to doubt it. We're supposed to have faith in our systems and in our institutions. But they don't even pay sufficient attention to security issues of our elections processes. And why don't they pay attention? Oh, it's because they want it this way. So the truth is they actually do pay attention. They designed it specifically this way so that it could be accessed and manipulated to produce the outcomes they desire. The resulting system architecture is brittle. Small mistakes can lead to complete exploitation. Likewise, previous security testing efforts as part of federal and state certification processes appear not to have uncovered the critical problems I found. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So they looked for problems, but their experts just couldn't find all of these obvious vulnerabilities that Halderman found. Well, shucks, I guess that's just human error again. The state and federal security testing regimen, the certification process as prescribed by law is insufficient to find the problems that Halderman found. Is it human error? Is it incompetence, really? Or is it that the state and federal government came up with certification processes that allow the stealing and manipulation to continue while convincing the public that they have fixed the problem? Halderman writes, This suggests that either the ICX's vulnerabilities run deep or that earlier testing was superficial. In my professional experience, secure systems tend to result from development and testing processes that integrate careful consideration of security from their inception. In my view, it would be extremely difficult to retrofit security into a system that was not initially produced with such a process. So that basically means that their little bandages don't work. Their little patches don't work. These systems are fundamentally flawed from their inception. He concludes in this introductory section before he gets into the technical aspects of the report. My technical findings leave Georgia voters with greatly diminished grounds to be confident that the votes they cast on the ICX BMD are secured, that their votes will be counted correctly, or that any future elections conducted using Georgia's universal ballot marking device system will be reasonably secure from attack and produce the correct results. Greatly diminished grounds to be confident. They can't know that the machine is secure, that their votes will be counted correctly, or that any elections with this system will be reasonably secure from attack and produce correct results. No grand conspiracies would be necessary to commit large-scale fraud, 
but rather only moderate technical skills of the kind that attackers who are likely to target Georgia's elections already possess. Unfortunately, even if such an attack never comes, the fact that Georgia's BMDs are so vulnerable is all but certain to be exploited by partisan actors to suppress voter participation and cast doubt on the legitimacy of election results. And I just want to highlight this sentence one more time. No grand conspiracies would be necessary to commit large scale fraud, but rather only moderate technical skills of the kind that attackers who are likely to target Georgia's elections already possess. So it is that easy that even small groups of people, you don't need a grand conspiracy. This could be done rather simply. And I'm not sure if he's suggesting this, but I imagine that his words could be taken this way. The idea would be that, okay, there is no big conspiracy doing this, but it's possible for these individual bad actors to get in there and do something. But you see, the problem with that is that there actually is a grand conspiracy of people who know the election systems are this way and they still pretend nothing can happen. Nothing did happen and nothing could ever happen. This is the expert of experts on election machines and their security. And you just heard his words. I didn't make up these claims. These are his claims. Having had access to the machines and studied the machines and having the technical prowess and expertise to know how to attack these machines and then having successfully done so. So it doesn't require a grand conspiracy to manipulate the machines and affect the outcomes, but it actually does require a grand conspiracy to do it all across the country, everywhere in all of the different systems and then cover it up afterward, not only with the complicity of the mainstream media, not only with the complicity of the tech companies and their censorship, not only with the on the ground efforts that were described in Molly Ball's article in Time magazine in early February 2021, where she talked about the efforts to fortify the election. They had all of that going on, and then they had the lawfare to ensure that the results stuck. And that's all in addition to having full control of every process and system of the election, as I described at the beginning. All of that actually is a grand conspiracy to steal our elections all the time. And that conspiracy can be tracked. It's not a conspiracy theory at all. It is a system where people actually do conspire to implement and run and protect that system to produce the election outcomes they want. The grand conspiracy is not necessary. It's just a bonus. That's the way that they prove to a country with, we're told, 330 million people and many millions of people around the world who use similar election machines, that our elections are secure and that the population actually believes the things our elections claim they believe. And the craziest thing is that when polls are done, polls reflect the electorate as it's shown in the elections. It's already a manipulation. So neither side actually has to represent anything about the real world. They weight polls so that the weighting matches the election results. 
and then they call their polls accurate when they predict the election results. The entire thing is madness. But think about what you have heard from J. Alex Halderman. This is the expert of experts. And then think about what's gone on the last two and a half years, how we've been called election deniers and conspiracy theorists. We've been accused of telling the big lie. And that's just for having normal problems with the elections. The machines are their whole separate subject. The machines, oh, that's only for the crazy people, the way out there people. Those people don't have proof of anything. They just want to believe that our elections can be stolen millions of votes at a time because that makes them feel better. They're just conspiracy theorists. Really? Well, you just heard how easy it is to infect all of the machines in a given system so that they cannot produce accurate, reliable results. We know that's true and we watch it happen. That's why they need all the extra time after the elections so that they can get the ballots in to support the manipulated machine results. And pretty much everybody knows that now too. think about what people have done by trying to marginalize the view of anyone who says, Hey, Our elections are obviously stolen and you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. Nothing could be more obvious. The incentive is massive. The ability is right there. It would be like walking up to a bank and someone comes out the door and they're like, hey, it's my lucky day. You know what? All the cameras in the bank are off. The safe is wide open. The employees have all gone home and there is a sign on the front desk that says, take whatever you want. And then at that point, we have to trust that the people running our elections are actually good enough people to not go take any of the money. And we're the ones making baseless claims. We're the ones with a faith based belief. We're the ones who don't have any evidence. We're the crazy people. That's what we've been told. For two and a half years, while we knew all this information, you see, because the report just came out yesterday, but this information has been known from various sources for a very long time. And you will remember, he mentioned in this report that CISA was given his report last year and they reported on the report. And on this podcast, I reported on their report about the report last year. So none of this is new, but also none of it has entered the mainstream conversation. None of it has broken through the informational bubble at the intellectual kids table on Twitter or in our media. The mainstream doesn't know about this. And what happens when they do know? Well, all of the election fraud deniers out there are going to be fully exposed. Denying election fraud and stolen elections in our country is a brain dead, retarded position. I'm sorry. It is absolutely anti-intellectual to pretend that you have confidence that our elections are safe and secure. It is absolutely mindless. It is faithless in terms of your citizenship as an American. Why even claim it if you don't also claim the duty to protect it and the country? Simply asking questions. We're the problem? No, we're not the problem. What happens when people are forced to incorporate this body of information into their thinking about our elections and into their thinking about our society. What does it mean to know that our elections are this easily manipulated and to then think 
yeah, you know, huh, this system, Trump just can't win. He's just not popular enough. You know, people say they don't like him and that's going to be a real problem in a year and a half from now. What we need to do is elect Ron DeSantis, who can win in this rigged system. What would it mean for Ron DeSantis to win in this system, knowing that it's rigged? Did all of the conservative incorporated media people, the GOP establishment and elite who were bragging about their wins in Texas and Georgia and Florida after the midterms, blaming all of the losses around the country on MAGA, did they know about these systems? Well, of course they did. But if they didn't before, they certainly will now. And will their story change? No, it won't. They'll say Donald Trump can't win. Even if he can win the primary, he can't win the general. And what does it mean when they say that, knowing that these elections are rigged? They know Trump is more popular than Ron DeSantis in the Republican Party. There's no way that Ron could actually win a free and fair, safe and secure election over Donald Trump. It's preposterous. But they'll say that Ron must win because otherwise Joe Biden will win. Because the regime would steal the election for Joe Biden. But if Ron is the candidate, then the regime is happy to rig the election for Ron. They'll give plenty of Democrats in the Senate and in the Congress and around the country, Soros, DAs everywhere. They'll just get their fill of awful uniparty left candidates all around the country. But, oh, that centerpiece in Washington, D.C. will be Republican. Ron DeSantis will be the president. And with that. No one will believe that our elections are stolen because the story is that it's just Democrats stealing elections, but it's not. It's the uniparty. It's the uniparty left and the uniparty right. They're the ones who implement these systems and protect these systems and allow these systems to function for their intended purpose, which is absolutely unequivocally without doubt to steal elections. Guys, a bunch of long shows this week. I may take the day off from doing this show tomorrow. I have Badlands Daily in the morning, and I am really, really trying to actually finish some writing. I have so many projects I'm so far behind on. But if there's something major tomorrow, and there probably will be, then I will end up doing a show. But I'm just saying, don't plan your day around it, because, hey, I might take the day off and try to get some writing done. But otherwise... I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.
It's high noon! In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hot!